Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. at home made them awful nervous he'd never done a damn thing you could call experimental and he had this aching feeling that his life was accidental so when night he burned his pinstripe suit in his leather shoulder holster he snapped a polaroid and made a giant wanted poster he took it to the print shop and ordered up a thousand flyers then he walked next door to the laundromat and blew his brains out in a dryer and the tail Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Perfectly Good Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that is counting down every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. We are hanging out at the laundromat with my sister in all things, John Sylvan Groth. How are you? I am well, and don't look in the dryer. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I am your other host, Jesse Jackson, behind the scenes, right? Linda always asks, is it a Doctor Who night or a John night? And I go, it's a John night. She goes, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, we're doing, and I told her the two songs we're talking about tonight. And when I said Death by Men's Adventure, she immediately started quoting the lyrics. (laughs) Just right away and said, I may listen to this one because I've never known what this song is about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel a little pressure okay. yeah, allowed because I'm like, Linda, I don't know if we're going to be able to tell you what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Well, we are, we are talking death by misadventure. Tell us, give us just the facts. Just the facts. This is track number two from Riding with the King. It's also the second song from that album that we've discussed. It is from Side A, which was produced by Ron Nagel and Scott Matthews. Take a drink, everybody. Michael Elliott has a great description about how this record was created and how there was a little bit of tension, let's say, in the recording process. So they ended up bringing in Nick Lowe to produce Side B. And it's interesting in 2023, thinking of things like side A and side B, for those of you 
listeners too young to remember, although I think our demographic does not have many of those folks. It used to be whether you were buying a vinyl record or a cassette that you would have to actually get up halfway through your listening experience and manually turn something over to listen to another side. John also talked a little bit in the promotional materials about thinking of them in two different modes as he was writing and recording these songs. So it's interesting to actually break it up. Um, But we'll get to the later songs in the album. It was mixed and produced at the Automat in San Francisco, which is also interesting given some of the lyrics that we'll get to eventually. Scott Matthews is listed as all instruments except for John's guitar. So it seems like there was maybe a little bit of, yeah, overdubbing perhaps, or maybe even that talks a little bit about the tension that was going on at the time of the recording. And I did actually just want to read a little bit from Michael's book. I have the page I wanted to get to, sorry. Matthews and Nagel were collectively known as the Durox, a power pop duo that put out one self-titled release in 1979 that had done well in Europe. Individually, they had separate but equally interesting credentials. The first side of Riding the King was recorded in San Francisco, and he quotes John saying, I had a wonderful time with Ron and Scott, John says. They had their own little studio, but I was still a mess. I'm amazed looking back on it that I even did any work, but we did. The amazing energy of youth. And I also was not familiar with the term death by misadventure, so I looked it up on definitivehealthcare.com. And the definition is that the deceased is understood to have voluntarily undertaken some sort of risk that led to their untimely end, a fact that distinguishes this term from a ruling like accidental death. And also, incidentally, while I was on my search for covers, I did not find a whole lot, but there is a song on Ted Nugent's 1977 Cat Scratch Fever, which has the same title. So... I wondered if John might have been listening to that and thinking, I I could come up with my own version of Death by Misadventure. Oh, oh, and also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this is one of the rare John Hyatt songs that is a co-write. It also is listed as being co-written by John Hadley. I did a little bit of searching. I was hoping that I may even find Mr. Hadley and ask him to share some thoughts with us. I could not. Unfortunately, it's common enough of a name that I couldn't determine who out there in Facebook or whomever. But he has an interesting page on allmusic.com with 166 songwriter credits. So I like to imagine this might be completely false, that maybe he was someone that John met in his days of working as a professional songwriter at Tree Music or something like that. And they just batted some of these wild images and ideas around. I think that pretty much covers just the facts. Did, in your research, did they talk anything, the difference between death by misadventure and suicide? Yeah, so there are articles and... I think that kind of gets into a splitting hairs and linguistic thing. And it probably is more of a definition to be determined by insurance agencies than anyone else. But the idea is that you are not of your fruition ending your life. You are outsourcing 
the ending of your life by taking risks, whether it's trying to race a train or one could even argue living like John was at this time, doing a lot of drugs and a lot of excess might be a bit of death by misadventure. But yeah, the idea is that there wasn't an explicit intent to end one's life, but a disregard for keeping it safe, I think is the- distinction yeah very nice and not to be flippant but the whole hold my beer right yeah yeah, exactly yeah okay all right i am really looking forward to breaking down this song we're going to talk about the lyrics we're going to talk about any of our personal feelings about this i we're going to try for the sake of you linda to determine what this is about and we're going to come back right after these brief messages Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And we're back. All right, Sylvan, quick thoughts on this one. I love writing with the King. It, it, I think, was something that kind of brought John more of an audience. And it's a fun album. It's also an album that really feels to me of its time, i.e. the early 80s. There was no point that I was listening to this song and I wasn't really aware that it's a 40-year-old song. I at no point, even some of the language and the references he's making, I couldn't 
think of someone certainly writing this today, maybe recording it in a nostalgic kind of way. And I do also think that it's maybe a little politically incorrect in a way that we're not used to in 2023. I don't know if uh, someone could get away with telling this story without saying disclaimers or getting into all sorts of talking about healthcare and the need for mental health issues and gun safety and all these kind of things that they weren't talking about, I don't think, in the same way in 1983. What about you? I have a very special place in my heart for Riding with the King. It was the first John Hyatt release that I took to. I've shared that Slugline was the first album that Linda was a fan of, and she so when Riding with the King came out, I remember really loving the album. And especially all the songs were good, but some of them were really special to me. So I immediately have a sense of kind of nostalgia and affection for anything on Riding with the King. Um, it's also, from my perspective, and you could probably correct me, this is usually as far back as John goes when he's performing live. There might be an exception to that. And I, I'll just say for the record, it would be so great if John would pull out sure as I'm sitting here just once yeah. in yeah. this millennium. Yeah. Um, but you're right. And usually if he is pulling out something from Riding with the King, it is the title track with exactly. a nod to Eric Clapton and BB King. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd love... To hear it hadn't happened yet, the mm -hmm. Roseanne Cash that she did. Yes, but anyway. So yeah, I just really love this album. And and this song specifically, as we've talked about often on this podcast, we have this two things that don't go together. This is very beat, quick. Dance around. Dance. Yes. Yeah. And he is singing it with a lot of energy and energy, a very quick pacing, a lot of fun background music, and then very dark lyrics, incredibly dark lyrics. <laughs> and just before we go into the lyrics, I'm going to self promote a little bit here. I have mentioned my project, The Fan Magazine. In issue five, I actually reprinted an article from the Oakland Tribune that was a review of a performance and talking a little bit, an interview with John about writing with the King. So nothing really struck me as like relevant to this song, but all of you who are listening, the website is thejohnhyattarchives.com and all issues of Slow Turning are available in the collector's section. And this one was issue five. So if you're feeling nostalgic, thinking about these sounds that we're referring to in those 80s times. Go ahead and pull it up and look at it. All right. So we're going to gamble that I have the right lyrics. So <laughs> I will start from the beginning. So I, I, I took the lyrics from the archive website, and I swear he says Harold, not Harry. <laughs> but every lyric I find says Harry. I know he says it 
I believe in the studio version yeah. that the very first line is Harold and then he refers to him as Harry later. Okay. So yeah, I maybe the when they went to print the lyrics, again, we're yeah. talking old school that there wasn't unlimited information and yeah. character strokes available. Maybe they like thought that line's a little too tight. We gotta yeah, save exactly. a couple of characters. So, yes. Yeah. All right. So good. I feel a little better. So yes, Harold had a good job working for the Secret Service. He had a wife and kids at home who made him awful nervous. He'd never done a damn thing you could call experimental. He had this aching feeling that his life was accidental. Talk to me. Sylvan, where what do we got here? We are in one of the rare John Hyatt songs where it is a third person and the narrator seems to be passing a kind of cool and removed judgment on its subjects. And that is one of the redeeming qualities about that. I think the tongue is so firmly in cheek. It's surprising he got a single word out, but he is setting the tone here. And I think there's a little bit of a disdain for authority and normativity, which makes sense for the high school dropout who went off to Nashville to become a songwriter before he even got his high school diploma. And one of the greatest gifts John ever gave to me was my dual fandom with Craig Ferguson because John was on The Late Show. And Craig Ferguson had a joke about when he was a kid working in punk bands, he said, you'll never see me wearing a tie and sitting behind a desk as he was wearing a tie and sitting behind a desk on his late night talk show. So I think there's that kind of sensibility of the anti-establishment, early 80s capitalism, get a good job and do well and have a nice wife and the 2.5 kids, everything picture perfect. And the anxiety that comes in when you realize that the facade is just that and what's going on in your head and what you're feeling about these arbitrary milestones that you're supposed to meet, these arbitrary goals that mean success can pick away at the psyche. And then you're dying for that affair or excitement. I think it's funny that he called him a secret service agent. So one would assume that he has quite an exciting and daring life, but instead he says there was never a damn thing he could call experimental. He never took a risk and that he felt like he had been put into someone else's life, that his life was accidental as opposed to making the choices for himself. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that he chose the secret service we're mm-hmm. going to expand more than that because he's okay. Nervous. What's a what's a good rhyme for nervous? So I think you're. Speci- I'm going to go with. He wanted to pick that. That is a role that is very respected. It is a a role that is often taken for granted. A little behind the scenes. At one time, my son, when he was a child. His pediatrician was actually married to a Secret Service agent, and he was assigned protecting George Bush before he was governor of Texas. So that's how long ago it was. And and she, one of the questions I asked, I said, I noticed 
that Chelsea is at the Atlantic. Yeah, Chelsea Clinton was at the Olympic Games in Atlanta. And I wonder, does she have adult supervision or do they go, yeah, the Secret Service? And my pediatrician, Dr. Sharon, said you'd be surprised how often Secret Service people are babysitters, <laughs> right? <laughs> we could we could make some assumptions that Harry or Harold, he doesn't have the big job. He's not yeah. protecting the commander in chief. So he's somewhere Maybe he isn't even on detail work at all. He's exploring counterfeiting and doing all the other things that Secret Service does. And then you could, if we carry on overanalyzing as our place, if you are aware of all the different death threats and things that could happen, having a wife and kids at home, could you make you nervous? Because that is a threat. That is an open, that they are a liability of safety. You have to worry about their safety. That So could that be? And I, instead of he's bored with his life, a damn thing you could call ex- experimental. There's nothing out of the box. And I remember I had a boss years ago, not that long ago, said, you either manage your career or your career manages you. And I said, I'm at 60. I let my career manage me. Too late. Where were you when I was 40 to give me this advice? Right? This idea of he did not have that goal. He did not set to do this. He's ended up where he is just by a series of accidents. And is he happy with where he's at? Doesn't seem like it, does it? The next verse. No. Yes, please. Could I go on? Yes. So one day he burned his pinstripe suit and his leather shoulder holster. He snapped a Polaroid and made a giant wanted poster. He took it to the print shop and ordered up a thousand flyers. Then he walked next door to the laundromat and blew his brains out in a dryer. And I will go ahead and say that. Uh, and the tag on his toe read death by misadventure. Ain't that some way to go? Death by misadventure. Pretty dark. Yes. <laughs> and this, John had been touched by suicide at this point in his life. His older brother, Michael, had shot himself in a car. So I think it is interesting that he was willing to put this in what feels like a cavalier kind of way that it is a fictional guy fb or a secret service agent i was reminded of i spy for the fbi came just three years before this yes but despite its darkness and despite wanting to pull back the curtains of like why did you want to tell this as a kind of macar black humor kind of story you can't deny that it's funny that here's a guy to me this verse talks about him crying out for attention and i i will name myself that i am a suicide survivor there's a lot of people who would say that it's just a call for help or a cry for attention i think like all oversimplifications that is not a good way of looking at things but the idea that he ordered a thousand flyers, which in 1983 would cost a pretty penny. Making copies wasn't cheap and just was crying out 
for someone to look at him and the idea of a wanted poster self-recrimination or that he wanted to be wanted, perhaps. It's very dark. It's disturbing. But it's also just, I want to see the full-length movie of this character. What about you? Yeah, I... First off, you talked about being dated. Polaroid. Yes. Okay, so there we go. So, and take it to the print shop, right? We're looking at Kinko's and, (laughs) right, ordering up a thousand flyers. Why do you want a thousand flyers if you're going to shoot yourself? What is Mm -hmm. the purpose of that? What were you trying to do? That's a mystery that we don't know. The, and why do that before you end your life? Right. Um, I don't have a theory. Except, I mean, if we played a short story writer, maybe his original plan for Death by Misadventure was to put these wanted posters out all over town with the hopes that some vigilante would do the deed for him, which, yeah. Yeah. I could say many things about gun control that I won't say because this isn't the forum for that, but yeah. 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 And then, and so you do see one of the wonderful things about John is painting pictures in your mind. Mm -hmm. You can see the print shop in a strip mall. There's a laundromat mm-hmm. next to it, right? You go, mm-hmm. you can smell that laundromat that all laundromats smell a little bit like dryer sheets and a combination and of dryer sheets and ink. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and he was kind enough not to make a mess, except in the <laughs> one dryer. It must have been the big dryer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And and that catchy line. And the tag on his toe, right? Death by yes. misadventure. Ain't that some way to go? Death by misadventure is. And sometimes I think you want to tell a macabre story, right? Sometimes, um, like Stephen King, I'm not trying to use this as a metaphor for anything. I'm not trying to put in an agenda. Sometimes I just want to scare the bejesus out of you. And I think sometimes I just want to tell, I'd want to go to a dark place and tell a dark story, right? And that's what I view this as. This is a, I'm just telling you a depressing story in a fun, upbeat melody. Because it is upbeat. And I don't know if this ever would have worked as John and his guitar on his own. You need yeah. the band for this. Yes. yes, you do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Go next to the next phase of her story. Yes. Okay. Uh, is it your turn? Oh. Yes. Okay. Harry's wife, Estella, which is mm-hmm. such a great name, took this matter rather lightly. She could have cried and cried, but that but then her looks might come unsightly. She thought about her wardrobe and how much it was outdated and how this trumped up family thing was vastly overrated. Okay, so we have a little bit of clue here that perhaps Harry was not feeling very engaged or loved and appreciated by his family, right? There is something, and it is a cliche, but there is a lot of truth to that there are plenty times when 
you come home and you need that soft place to fall with your family, whether it's your roommate, whether it's your significant partner, whether it's your puppy dog that just says, I'm glad you're home. I am glad you're here. I have you unconditional love. Stella doesn't seem to have that sense of love in her heart. And you can hear the resentment in that she's thinking about her clothes that are outdated and you imagine that there was probably some fights over the credit card. Again, 1983, yes. the age of plastic. Yeah. That, and one would assume that all of this is related to an insurance policy that is not named in the lyrics of the song, but the idea that somehow she was now betterly financial off. And yeah, I personally think it's a perfect line that she took this matter rather lightly. It's so impersonal calling it a matter. He doesn't even say his circumstances. It's this matter, not his. It doesn't have to do with Harold. It's just this circumstance that Estella now finds herself in. And she's looking at her closet and thinking about what she might be able to make out of this. So it reminds me of Ordinary People. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite films where the great Mary Tyler Moore played very much against type and mm -hmm. played the very cold Beth that older son had died in an accident. And then her younger son tried to kill himself. And she was and Donald Sutherland played the father. It's a brilliant film based on an it, amazing book. Yes, both it couldn't give it more stars. I would totally cheat on our five-star rating on both the book and the movie. And you're absolutely right. The acting is absolutely top-notch. If you don't mind me sharing this little personal aside, Please. I was not familiar with that. And it was probably about four months out of my suicide attempt. They played that in my psychology class in school. And I was blindsided, but in a good way that I was really trying to shut out the pain of what I had been through and so forth. And as you said, Mary Tyler Moore's performance was so incredible. That speech where she goes off about her resentment toward yeah. her son who had done this thing. I cried so vividly and it was almost animalistic in class. And I had to stand out in the hall with my wonderful teacher who just did me so many kind favors as I was in my recovery that time. She just sat and talked with me and she made a comment about, I've seen this movie so many times I could recite it to you. So I'm not missing anything. Let's just yeah. sit out here for a while. Yeah. So. The, like when she says Buck wouldn't have been in the hospital, this judgment that, and she could not go see her son in the hospital and Donald Sutherland trying to play the peacekeeper between yeah the peacekeeper between it on a happy note i think that i also feel like this movie captures the feeling of being a teenager and asking someone for a date that you think they won't ever say yes they are so far out of your league and then when the wonderful Elizabeth McGovern 
says yes, and he is so happy. Timothy Hutton, Jared's role. I think that is truly one of my favorite film scenes of all time, just the way he captures that joy. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be on a podcast where they cover Oscar winners, and I joined them to discuss this, and we had a wonderful time. So yeah, I'm picturing Harry's wife similar to the Mary Tyler Moore in that character. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And we can do a little creative casting with this. And how this trumped up family thing was vastly overrated. Mm -hmm. She's not worried about the repercussions of what's happened because suicide or accidental death or death by mid-adventure, it doesn't just affect, it affects the whole family. Right. And you have to deal with that. And she has no interest in dealing with it. And I also like that she could have cried and cried, but then her looks might have come unsightly and go back to where she told uh, Mary Tyler Moore, told Donna Sullivan, that's the wrong tie to wear to the funeral. And he's like, why do I even have to think about that at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Next. Is it my turn or your turn? I thought it's, I thought it's your turn. Okay. Well, okay. Or I can go. Yeah. No, the kids both turned against her and they took to drugs and stealing. Some junkie killed them both for two dime bags that they were dealing and sitting home alone one night, disgusted by it all. She blew the sole survivor off with 90 Nembutals and the tag on her toe read death by misadventure. Ain't that some way to go? Death by misadventure. I I do the irony here that the medical definition that we talked about at the beginning of this song very clearly states that this would not be a death death by misadventure, but he is putting it under that umbrella. And I, that concept of you're putting yourself at risk by feeling that Estella at first wasn't concerned about anyone but herself. And then she was faced with the repercussions of that, that she not only lost her husband, but she lost her kids. And if we can remove ourselves from the black humor story of this, what in the world could possibly be worse than that for any character? And that was her misadventure that she took the risk of not caring and paid the consequences of that. Yeah, I'm thinking that she, this trumped up family thing is mostly overrated. I don't need to worry about the family. We're mm-hmm. going to be fine. He's gone. Let's, we've got his life insurance. We're, we're, I never be wanted okay. to be a wife and mother anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so the kids are going to be fine. We don't need to worry about it. They're old enough that they don't need a father anymore. And they're mm-hmm. really, they're hurting. And so mm-hmm. you see that because without, and now we are definitely judging, without discipline, without a caring and uh, concern, they went on a bad path, right? And so they rebel against her. Um, they going for thrills or whatever they need to do to maybe self-medicate so they're taking stealing they're taking their own drugs and then use selling those drugs to pay for their own habit 
and then and some junkie killed them both for two dime bags they were dealing i mean just this is such a we often talk about john doesn't have a unnecessary word in a lot of songs and i feel like this is a great example of every word is crafted every word is for a purpose i am telling this story and how she blew the sole survivor off with 90 nimbutals blue you think oh she shot herself but no she ends up committing suicide by overdosing and true it is death by misadventure by not doing the right things by not taking care of yourself by not taking care of your children by not doing the making the connection yeah the healing you need to do is Mm -hmm. just it was that and that's what we're going to judge this as a death by misadventure. A bad thing, yeah. And just really great. So, yeah, we, and just some ahead, historical please. notes again, assuming that there might be people even younger than me listening to once upon a time, drugs were talked about in code words and a dime bag was something that would have cost $10. And so even though in 1983, $10 was more than it is today, I, I really liked the idea of just the trivial amount that we're yes. talking about. That's not, it's not the great score that a, a mafia movie would be built around. It's the smallest transaction that might be going on in a street corner that yes. the kids ended up dying from. And I liked how you looked at it, Jesse, that were they self-medicating? Were they doing whatever? I also heard it as just mom was so interested in blowing through the insurance money. They were thinking, how are we going to live? How are we going to pay for ourselves? And they went to an act of desperation and thinking that would be what they would need to do to support themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So our narrator sums mm-hmm. it up. So be careful how you choose your path and who you pick to go with. Some, by the way, I'm just stop there, right? What great advice, right? Picking how you choose your path and who you pick to go with. Take a drink. On Land of Hope and Dream, Bruce says, you'll need a good companion on this part of the ride, right? I, I love this. It, this all of a sudden now becomes a, mortal, a mortality tale. This is a fable to warn you, right? So be careful how you choose your path and who you pick to go with. Some folks, they take to living fast while some prefer a slow death. Some folks get confused and never quite know how they're going when you're laid out on that slab for all the worse for knowing. Then the tag on your toe reads death by misadventure. Misadventure. What a silly way to go. Death by misadventure. Talk to me, yeah. Sylvan. I, that verse is what is going to bump up this songs rating for me. I love that verse. And you're absolutely right that be careful how you choose. It's a double warning that A, 
the choice is up to you and you have to take some time to think about because these characters were swept up into a life without making a lot of conscious decisions. I'm reading in between the lines. And the narrator is saying they might not have thought that they were living the life of their own design, but by going along with the flow, they were making that choice. They were on the path that they decided to walk on. And that the idea that in mortality, we might be looking back on our lives and saying, oh, shoot, I did die by mis misadventure. I had too many risks that I was taking. I wasn't being careful either with myself or with other people. And that's the real tragedy of the hindsight that we look back on our lives and realize that we could have done better. Yeah. I, I, again, it's dark imagery. You, you can't help but think of the bad fluorescent lights and the sheets over the stiff bodies or whatever laid out on that slab. And then the idea that the consciousness is living on and just full of regret. That's a real tragedy there. Yeah. It live fast, die young, the whole, one of the, one of my favorite lines and back when I was, when I had colon cancer and was fighting it, obviously Bruce was a big influence to me. And the song, All That Heaven Will Allow, has the lyrics, now some may want to die young man, young and gloriously, get it straight down, mister, hey buddy, that ain't me. Because I got something on my mind, yeah, that sets me straight and walking proud. And I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. And John saying, some people take to living fast, while some prefer a slow death. You get confused and never know which one you're going. What do you do? And you're all the worse for no, not knowing, not making that conscious decision of what to do you want to do with your life. Yes, I agree. This is a fun song with a dark theme, but that last verse this is john's version of aesop's fable right this yeah. is here is i'm giving you a warning of how to do this with a a fun beat yeah it's great writing and it, it is a good message because i we've said in as many words that we each our own authors of our lives. And these characters abdicated their responsibility of taking care of each other, taking care of themselves. And that whether you think you're taking the route of the slow death by not actually living, it doesn't matter how many years you acquire, you are taking just as much a risk and throwing as much away as the person who is out there. Death by misadventure, the more common way that we think of it, passing someone on a divided highway or something like yeah. that, or skydiving, whatever, that sitting at home alone and not reaching out to someone is just as much of a risk to yourself as any of those actions. Yeah, and a, 
I'm also thought about and heavy movie, right? But Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, I just, I, I really think this is obviously like many of these older songs. I'd love to hear it live. I, it's curious if John and I don't think he would ever do this, but if he ever did, like a published his lyrics and had introductions for each one and kind of talked about it. it would be interesting to hear the origin of this and what he was thinking but yeah this is just a really sweet little song in yeah in a dark way <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think sweet would have never been the word that i would have thought before having this conversation with you which is yeah. part of the fun of having these right opportunities to really dig in but I think you're right that the narrator of this story and the songwriter came from a place of care he's almost sneering at the characters at the beginning but he's also saying to the listeners hey I want something better for you and Mm -hmm. that is sweet and it's caring yeah yeah Yeah, I'm just really happy. Any final thoughts before we give ratings? No, I I also, while I was listening to it, I wanted to hear the the next song on this album. No surprise for John Hyatt fans that the only thing that is better than listening to a a John Hyatt song is hearing the next John Hyatt song on that album. So Riding with the King, I did do believe was the start of bringing it to another level. Most people point to bring the family as something that completely changed his world around. I think everything that kind of was in the batter for bring the family was here. It just, he wasn't ready to make that album yet. So it's a great song that is part of 12 great pieces of a beautiful puzzle. Yeah, I agree. If you were going to rank in eras, this would be, you could make the argument that was the start of, and then we obviously have the trilogy, but you do feel like this is, he he quite didn't have the mix yet, but it's close. It's better yeah. than the other recipes he had worked on, which each are unique, but this was, I'm slowly starting to get it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Starting to mature. Yeah, exactly. In all ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So it's my turn to go first. Okay. As much as I love this, I'm going to give it a solid three. Mm -hmm. I, this is, as we talk about in the list, a three is a really strong John Hyatt song. I'm saving my halves when I really need them. I think this is definitely better than a two. And I don't quite think it's a four. So hence, I'm giving it a three. I just really, and I also think this is, Riding with the King is a good example of the part, the sum is greater than the individual parts, right? Like you often talk about, you like to think of John as albums, not individual. And I think this, you throw that this is part of that, that movie, that that f- painting that he paints. And this is a very important part of it. But I'm going to go with three. Oh. I 
probably debating more than usual, certainly, Uh, maybe even the biggest debate I ever had. And I had to remind myself of the scale. And thank you for saying that. I won't repeat what you said, but I also had to remind myself of the Sylvan scale of, okay, if someone had never heard of John Hyatt before, would you play this as an introduction? Does it give you something that makes your life better? And in some ways, yeah, it does. And that's where I was really waffling back and forth. So I was really tempted to give it a two, but I'm going to go the same as you. I'm going to give it a three. I, I don't think that there's any context that would make it a stronger song for me. If I heard that acoustic version or whatever, it it, it is of its time. It is dark and weird. And maybe that is why I can't quite give it a two. It's just because it's so unusual and to discount it in the Hyatt catalog would be to not fully understand John Hyatt. Yeah, and I think I agree with you that I could have very happily given this a two if we didn't have that final verse, if he didn't Mm -hmm. bring it home. And I think if hearing him, if he did this live, like on a storytellers episode yeah. that VH1 used to do where he yeah, gave an introduction great. to this and do it. Then you might go, Oh man, that's a four, right? right? To hear right, it that right. way. Yeah. But I, with this, I, I agree. It's a three. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Riding with the King fans, write to us, tell us like, no, you guys <laughs> have it all wrong. You can send us a email at perfectly good podcast at gmail.com. Sylvan, how can they reach you? They can find me on Facebook on the John Hyatt fan page, which I am trying not to overstay my welcome at. I'm Sylvan Groff. I'm also Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter. And yeah, you mentioned the uh, email. Feel free to send us a message. I also, this episode probably won't come out before the birthday, was reminded that you have a voicemail that you keep for your other podcast so people could give us feedback that way. Yes, and the email address, the voicemail is 469-249-2442. That is, if you call just anywhere you want, it lets you leave a voicemail. And so if there's a song coming up and you don't have time, oh, I don't know if I can work my schedule, but if there is a song you have a feeling about, please leave a voicemail and say, hey, I want to talk about blank or... We have gotten really good feedback from our different episodes on the John Hyatt fan page. But if someone wants to say, hey, here's why I think blank is a four or a five and make your case, we'll play it. We'd love it. Absolutely. I'd love some feedback. Yeah, absolutely. We're not afraid of a little disagreement. No, not at all. I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter as well. I'm also on Facebook, Jesse Jackson. We do spend some time there. We do have a perfectly good podcast Facebook page that Sylvan takes care of, but we do post our new episodes there. I did want to give uh, notice that we did get, I've talked about this before on Good Pods which is a fairly new podcast platform 
where you can download and play the podcast. And we just got word that their latest thing, we were number six in their top 100 indie music history chart, number 15 in the top 100 music history chart, and 19 in the top 100 indie music commentary chart. So much like the Grammys, where there's all kinds of categories, we will take the the nice words about our work. And the reason that we are rate so high are all the nice people going to Good Pods and following the podcast there and rating and reviewing it. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, everybody. Every little like, download, comment, listen, recommending to a friend means so much to us so it really does this is a nice this is this podcast is uh, a labor of love for both of us and we really want more people to learn john's music and so if you could pass this on to one person just one friend and say hey you know how i always talk about john hyatt you should check this out and listen to these these two hosts talk about it we would appreciate it all we right. will make you seem normal. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just also because we were talking about some dark things, I would feel remiss if I didn't remind everyone the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988, just like 911, dial 988 if you or anyone that you are in contact with needs some help. Let's not have any death by misadventure out there in the real world. Well said, my friend. Reach out if you need help. You just need someone to talk to. And remember, have a little faith. Have a little faith. Bye. Baby, we can come on home. Put the cow horns back on the Cadillac and change the message on the code of It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.